This is The Bullpen on 1027 ESPN with Patrick Osborne and Brandon Elkins. Opinions are welcome at 512-834-1027. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us those opinions here on The Bullpen on the Thursday edition of The Bullpen. Patrick Osborne and Brandon Elkins with you for the next hour. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Great. Good. Good. Here. Good. I'm here with you. I'm here with the people. I'm great. And it is Friday Eve, my friend. I like that. That sounds good. That worked Your better. other three are weird. They're not I weird. Don't like them. Uh, I don't like them. Nobody's... I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I don't like them. Nobody says you had to. <laughs> Nobody. I just Monday Junior Junior just sounds weird. No, it's not Monday Junior. It's Monday Junior and then part three. Part four. Okay. Okay. All okay. right. Yeah. I still like Friday Eve, though. Friday, Louis. A little bit more positive. Right? Do, a, do the Beto thing. On my way home from work yesterday, I'm like, all right, I'll be a little more positive. You Is know, it because I always give you a half glass full approach? Something like that. I don't know. Who I knows? Want, I just want you to be happy. Well, I am. That's all. I mean, I'm on the air. You know, I'm getting to live my dream. Amen. My dream of my radio broadcasting. There are pictures of me still in diapers, young enough to be in diapers with a with microphone in my hand. So obviously... I'm doing what I love. That's great. Happy to be here. That's so great. Man. Happy to be so here with you as well you. here on the bullpen. And the number here in the bullpen is 512-834-1027. And uh, we got a lot to get to today. Big storm still impact. Well, it's not a big storm anymore. It's a tropical storm now. Yeah. But uh, Hurricane Ian uh, came ashore, ravaged the state of Florida, much of the state of Florida. Lots of questions uh, surrounding certain sporting events. Specifically, uh, there, there have been a few uh, college football games that have been rescheduled. But there was a lot of question about whether or not Tampa Bay was going to be able to, uh, you know, play a game this weekend on Sunday. I'm still thinking about the videos I saw of a guy on his jet ski out in the middle of the ocean as the hurricane was approaching. Yeah, you know that also, guy's a local. Yeah, there were four people swimming in underneath the bridge uh, while the high tide was coming in. High well, it's tide? Florida, what, you know. They're... High tide? High tide? But the worst part is all four of them bonked their heads on a cement block. From the bridge, They're because the 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 waves were so powerful, it just threw them right into it. I'm like, really? They're a different breed Florida over men. there in Florida. Come on, Florida men. They are a different breed. Florida peeps. Well, the mayor of Tampa says the city is already making progress in its recovery from Hurricane Ian, and the Buccaneers should host the Kansas oh, City Chiefs on Sunday night as scheduled. I was hoping they'd come to Jerry World. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what? There there is a contingency in place in case, yes. and it ain't Jerry World. No. Uh, far from it, actually. Yeah, I would. I would Tampa Mayor uh, Jane Castor wrote on Twitter this morning, the city will be ready for Sunday night football. She said, we made it through. Now the recovery begins. I can't thank our city of Tampa teams enough. Our push crews uh, out in full force clearing debris to keep the city safe. On another note, we're doing our best to keep the Buccaneers game here on Sunday. I've assured the NFL that the only disturbance here Sunday is when the Bucks kick A. Kick, kick butt. <laughs> kick butt. Okay, yeah. sure. I don't, I don't know why I centered myself there. I don't there. know why either. It's not like I haven't dropped that word, <laughs> dropped an A-bomb here before. Uh, A-bomb. But, uh, yeah, so that is the plan as of now. But there are, there are certain other factors that, that play in here, um, one of which is making sure that there's not going to be too much of a strain on the local resources. Of course. Right? Yep. Uh, just because maybe the water's receding and people are kind of out and about. And the a sun lot of might people are devastated. A lot of people devastating are. Devastating things happen to them. So, so uh, football in- may be... You know, not on everyone's mind. Right. Come Sunday. Uh, NFL Executive Vice President of Communications Jeff Miller has also said the Buccaneers schedule game against the Chiefs on Sunday is on track to be in Tampa. Uh, NFL is in contact with local authorities. Uh, but if for some reason the game were to force them to look for somewhere else, the contingency plan is to do it in Minnesota. 
U.S. Bank what? Stadium because the Vikings are across the pond in London this weekend. This whole week, actually. So Carolina's not home, or Carolina's home, or you could go to, like, Alabama or Georgia. Perhaps. Or another no. part of Florida that wasn't really touched by the storm as much. Miller says if the hurricanes so, forced the game's location so to be changed, the contest would take place at, uh, in Minnesota at the Vikings U.S. Bank Stadium as the Vikings play playing? the Saints in London this Sunday. But who are the Bucks playing? The Chiefs. Okay. Uh, yeah. You might as well just do it at in Kansas City at that point. That, I don't know. That's weird. That I don't know. I mean, look, they, it is I a get long it. Drive. they have the contingency in place. It just, to me, that feels weird. That yeah. feels like a we, an odd place to do it. it With is, so many other places closer. It is kind of, you're, I mean, you make a good point. It is kind of a hefty trek. There's got to be some reason, you know. And not only that, Tampa Bay right now is technically in Miami. So now they got to go from Miami yeah, to Minnesota there. while the Chiefs are not. In Miami, right. and they're much closer, and it's going to be a much easier flight for them. Yeah, it would probably be better, I mean, easier to just go down there to Miami. I mean, because the Bucks are right there; they're practicing right now. They're using the Dolphins facility. They could go there. to they could go to the Superdome mm-hmm. or the Mercedes Benz Dome, whatever the hell it's called. And Miami's on the road this week at Cincinnati tonight. Yeah, actually at Cincinnati. This is weird. Uh, so you know, it's uh, a weird place. But and whatever. the entire Bucks team and staff—they made the relocation already down there with their families. They're there. Yeah, that's a good point. There's got to, but again, there's got to be some reason that they're not making these. What seem, at least here in the bullpen, sure, as uh, a common sense decision. Sure, you know, because we are smart sometimes. Well, you know, we, we got, got common sense. We are good with common sense. I tell my girlfriend that I'm smart with common sense. She's book smart. Okay. Okay. But she's also smarter than me and everything, so I guess it doesn't really matter what I say. Is she listening right now? Is that why you're no, saying actually, that? No, actually, she she never no. listens to the show. Okay, well. she's a, she's working. It's fair. All right, I don't I don't blame her. I don't. She either. says she I listens don't. to the podcast, but I work with you, I'm so not, I don't I don't yeah. I don't blame her either. And I'm yeah, exactly. She's got to deal with me all the, all the other times of day. <laughs> Anyway, also love in the you, world, Marie. Also in the Thank world you. of football, Cleveland Browns defensive end Miles Garrett uh, has been issued a citation for failure to control his motor vehicle. This is in the wake of Monday's crash he had there, uh, according to the do Ohio we, State Patrol, Highway Patrol. Do we know exactly what happened now? Um, has there been a picture painted? Well, apparently so. What we know, here, here's what we know at this point. He was traveling at, quote, an unsafe speed for the type of roadway. In a very fast Porsche. Shocker. In a 2001 Porsche, correct. 2001? Uh, I mean, 2021. I'm sorry. Okay. I forgot what decade I'm in. Wow. Um, he was 2022, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so he was he was traveling too fast for the road he was driving on. According to the crash report, he was doing 65 in a 45. Um, uh, he, sure. He hit, I a, guess he hit a fire hydrant. What did they call that? Ir- Irresponsibly fast? Failure to control his motor vehicle and unsafe speed for the type of roadway. <laughs> okay. Uh, but apparently, if it's 45, it's, it's going to be a highway. Well, it's tw- not necessarily. 40, uh, I mean, 45, you're not on a, on, a, on a city street. You're not in a neighborhood. But you're not on a 45. highway. You could be on a, on a byway. Like, uh, for example, um, Lamar, right? A lot of places you probably but find. But that's not 45. That's 30 in some spots. Mm, some Ridiculously spots. Ridiculously slow get, in Yeah, some well, you're spots. talking about the farther south. I'm talking about far, like, I'm talking like, like regular north frontage north. road type thing. Okay. Or like. Well, those are also uh, like 40, or, 45, or 50. What, uh, what is he, it? Pflugerville. Like those roads. Either way. He, he, either he, way. he crashed into a fire hydrant. Okay. And he flipped the Porsche several oh, times. Um, there was a woman in the car with him. She was taken to the hospital, minor injuries. Uh, the highway patrol there in Ohio has reiterated once again, no drugs or alcohol were involved here. Uh, it's not believed either were under the influence at the time and both had their, their seat belts on when they crashed. So that's what we know. Why is there a fire hydrant on the highway, near the highway? 
I don't know, man. <laughs> That's I'm a little well, curious about but again, that. But again, These details are very weird. Nobody said anything about a highway. Sure. Just, if, just that he was driving on a road that's 45 miles 40, per hour. With a fire hydrant, though? That, I don't know. Everything, nothing makes sense right now. Yeah, if you're driving down a frontage road here, you might see a fire, a fire hydrant once in a while. But either way. Would you? Either way. Um, so uh, we, we've talked a little bit about some of the changes that are on the way to uh, the, the, the Pro Bowl. Yeah. And out today, uh, so as negotiated in 2020, the collective bargaining agreement gives the NFL... Uh, the ability to dump the Pro Bowl for a replacement activity. And it also makes the replacement activity voluntary for, for players. Until now. Uh, Pro Ooh. Football Talk has obtained a copy of the September side letter between the NFL and the NFL Players Association regarding the el- elimination of the Pro Bowl. And the letter agreement, which applies to 2022 only, flips player participation from voluntary to mandatory. If those players will be selected. They'll, they'll be required to participate in the event. Players uh, who have a medical issue... May be excused, um, but uh, you know. So, so now they will be required uh, to to take play take part in if they want to get paid. They're yeah. gonna have to take part in a game day event, at least one skills competition or event during the week, including any practices or rehearsals, media availability, and a community activity, not to include two hours. That doesn't seem that bad. It doesn't. Now seem that they like don't have to play a game, they're basically just hanging out with their friends all week. Is it? Are they taking it back to Hawaii, or is it staying in Orlando? Uh, or are they going to Vegas? Not. Don't you know what I do? Is there, not, is there a site? I do not know proposed? the answer to that question. Actually, okay. I, 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 I feel like if they go back to Hawaii, that should be an easy yes. For I've heard anyone. a lot of people say they want it back in Hawaii. I do know well, yeah, that. That seems like the preferred, you know, place. Yeah, especially if there's no game, they don't have to pay for the. You know, for the stadium to to use it and all the shenanigans that go with that, yeah, they get to have fun for a week and play play side games with their friends, and that's I what it that, sounds and like. And they get paid a crap load of money to do it. Now, I want to know though exactly, like for example, uh, historically, the 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 members of the winning the okay, you know, so the money's going to remain the same if the Pro Bowl had been played. So the members of the winning team are going to get eighty four k, and the losing team's going to get forty two k. But oh, here, and plus, a lot of these guys have. Uh, contract bonuses, right, for making the Pro Bowl, right. So but they'll he, get that. Here's the thing, though, is that is, so you're not going to have, uh, say, O O and D linemen playing in this flag football game. Mm-hmm. They're going to have their own different skills competition. Yeah, so at some point, I think they need to be a little bit clearer on exactly how they're going to determine who quote unquote wins the 84K and sure. who gets the 42 and why. Probably like is a it, you know just from the flag football game or, or what? So you know they're not real clear on that yet. I would assume if it's going to be games all week that they're going to accumulate points throughout the week. And then, you know, that could be yeah. it. Yeah. The winner, you know, they'll have the AFC and the NFC going against each other and everything. Yeah. So whoever has the most, probably whoever has the most points. And Makes then maybe, sense. or maybe that helps them more, gives them more of an advantage in the, ah. in the uh, uh, game, the uh, flag football game. And then they go from there, from the winner there. So the flag football game will have one kind of score, and the other events will have different kinds of scores. And so there are there are questions about sort of you know apples to apples comparisons and things like yeah. that. But I I think you know you're you're probably right. And there. this is still fairly new. I mean, I'm sure they've been you know getting all the gritty details of this, but it's still they just announced it. I'm sure they don't have everything locked down right now. They just wanted yeah. to get the announcement out and let everyone know, hey, no more game. Yeah, uh, you know, we I mean, heard you. We listened. One thing we, we watched. One thing we really don't know is whether the uh, the players' association got anything in exchange for agreeing to make this mandatory. You would think so. You know, you yeah. would think so. Would, I don't think the players' association would do anything that didn't at least appeal to their their needs. Absolutely, in some not. way. Absolutely. And not. look, I don't blame them. That's why they're there. That is why they're there. Indeed, it's got to be all fair. 
Yeah. Fun and games. Uh, former NFL quarterback Brett Favre's charity, Favre for Hope, donated more than 130 large to the University of Southern Mississippi Athletic Foundation between 2018 and 2020. This is according to tax records obtained this week by ESPN. Okay. During the same period, Favre, trying to raise money for the new volleyball stadium in the university where he played football, his daughter was on the volleyball team, Funds for the stadium that are under scrutiny and the largest fraud case in Mississippi history. So I have to I have to say something up front that that quote I sent you today yeah, is fake. It not is. real. It's not. It's not real. That's PFT. Uh, well, the funny thing that. about that quote is there was a link uh, because basically uh, what I was told is the athletic keeps uh, raising their prices and pro football talk uh, pro football commentator you know the parody guy yeah uh, or commenter or whatever. He has been going after the athletic for doing that because they keep raising the prices and they keep laying off uh, staffers. So he's going against them by setting up fake story quotes and then posting them as this is what you get for a plus subscription. And then he gives you a link. Uh, the recent link is uh, is Russell Wilson a uh, serial killer? Because, because of his subway ad is so cringy and so serial killer esque. That is the entire the link is to the entire website is why explains why Russell Wilson is now a serial killer because of the whole Dahmer thing. Well, he's a weird dude. Lately. He's a weird dude. Who in that, in that the commentator? In, in that, or no, 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 no. Well, in that subway commercial. I mean, it, you it, know it, how much just... money he got paid to do that? You think he cares? He doesn't care. No, Russell Wilson is getting paid. So much for everything he does. He does not care. He has no shame for himself. I certainly wouldn't care what some guy from the bullpen Hell said no. about me if I was I making that care. much money. Exactly. Yeah. I got a Subway National Subway commercial. You know, I get 100 k every time it airs. Yeah. Bye. Don't care what you think. So uh, Far for Hope, whose mission statement says it provides support for disadvantaged and disabled children and breast cancer patients, receives public donations. And tax records show that in 2018, the foundation gave the USM Athletic Foundation 60 k Every other organization uh, got ten grand. In 2019, the foundation, USM Foundation, got almost $47,000. And the next highest, Special Olympics of Mississippi, $11,000. The next year, his foundation donated almost $27,000 to the Athletic Foundation. And no other organization got more than $10,000. And and so basically they're building the the argument here that he's using his his charitable foundation, too, to sort of sweeten the deal even more and say, hey, look, I'm I'm taking care of you guys more than even the old Special Olympics here of the state of Mississippi. Um. I have one problem with that. Mm. None of that money has gone to the welfare program That's that he correct. stole money from. That's correct. Allegedly. I don't care what he's done. Really? Yeah, there's, really. There's text messages. I know. Everything's alleged. It's proven. So he's, it is not proven because okay. he's not been criminally charged or convicted. So okay. he's alleged. Allegedly stole money from the welfare right. fund Listen, that understand. he should pay back to because that is not for him. 16-year newsman here. you got to forgive me. That's okay. It's alleged. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm, I'm speaking... Out loud to an audience, you're right. I need to be factual. But you're not wrong. It's certainly, from from the layman's perspective, yeah, the dude's yeah. guilty, yeah. right? Yeah. But not under the eyes yes. of the law. Yes, He has not been criminally charged. Technically. His attorney has, pre- has denied previously that he knew anything or gotten a, got the, the, knew that he got the welfare funds. But this is a sprawling investigation into welfare spending. He got $1.1 million in speaking fees for appearances he reportedly never made. Uh, he owes back taxes and or interest on the back taxes now, and the text messages that you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, also involved re- allegedly diverting five million dollars in welfare funds uh, toward his daughter's oh. volleyball stadium. So yeah, 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 yeah. it does not look good no. for the uh, for the Brett by any means. I really hope there's some punishment that comes down to on this. If 
allegedly this happened. Indeed. Because Indeed. this is just, that's just disgusting. We got uh, Thursday night football coming up on the way. Woo! And uh, we got some injury news, injury updates. Which uh, we will air on this station that w- tonight. Oh, that's oh, I thought you meant the injury updates. No, so no, like, no, yeah, we are. Yes, we will. <laughs> Ultimate tease, but also Both. we're airing the game tonight. That is correct. Uh, so we'll get into that. We also got some Longhorn talk coming up. And uh, history made last night at the ballpark. 512-834-1027 is the number here on the bullpen. This is the bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027 ESPN. And welcome back to the bullpen, Thursday edition of the bullpen. 512-834-1027 is the number. Brandon Elkins and Patrick Osborne with you. Hi. Hello again. Hello again. We've been talking to football, NFL action, and we got the Dolphins... And uh, quarterback Tua, Tua Tango Valoa. Nailed it. Uh, you know, I used to live in Samoa. Oh, mm. nice. In fact, when I was about 16, 17, even into 18, I, I could I could speak enough Samoan back then. What were you doing in over there? It's a very, very, very long story, one that we do not have time to tell <laughs> by I know. any stretch of the imagination. I know. I'm just teasing. If you're listening I now know and story. you know, you I know. know. I know, but, I know yeah. Anyway, I was there, and uh, so that's why... Maybe I, one day you'll tell the story, but not, but not today. But not today, no. Probably not on these airwaves ever. Absolutely not. Um, uh, but uh, Dolphins quarterback Tua Tango-Vailoa said this week he's planning to play against the Bengals tonight despite the back and ankle injuries that led him to be listed as questionable on the final final injury report. I think he'll be on a very thin thread. Very tight well. Yes, because regardless if it was his back or his head, this was not enough time to get ready. No, I, I, I agree, and you know... I'm still not convinced that it wasn't that he didn't take a good shot to the head. Yeah, maybe he hurt his back. Yeah, but, but if you watch again, what happened, yeah, he came down on his head. You know, I get it. They all say no, it was his back, and I tweaked, and that hit just made it made it worse. Fair enough. I mean, his his uh, he his passed body could have focused his body could have focused the pain on his back while still getting hit in the head. Mm-hmm. That kind of happens, or when you get hit in the head, you don't feel it. If you get hit in the head hard enough, sometimes you don't feel. You know uh, something else hitting you after that, but I don't know. I'm no, you're you're right. You're absolutely right. Now he says trying to justify all this. He says uh, that uh, the back injury has actually been a bigger concern than the head would have. He says because the back affects all aspects of playing quarterback. So there is going to be a lot of attention of attention paid to yes. you know how well he's holding up, how well his back's holding up. Get ready for a major storyline about right. Tua's back and head. Yep. Now, also, wide receiver Jalen Waddle, Left tackle Taron Armstrong expected to play. Waddle's been bothered by a groin injury. Or Armstead, I sh- I'm sorry. And uh, uh, Taron Armstead is uh, dealing with a toe injury as well. Uh, and then uh, we got uh, cornerback Xavier Howard, defensive tackle Raquan Davis, safety Brandon Jones, wide receiver Cedric Wilson Jr. All listed as questionable as well for Miami. It's going to be a fun game. I, I think it's still going to be a fun game. I'm very much looking forward to that. I love... I, Bengals really need a win. The Bengals need a win, but I, I really like this Dolphins team. Yeah. I'm a big Tua fan. I really like watching him. I'm a big Tyreek fan. I'm really enjoying those two going yep. going at it. Yep. Uh, so I, I'm expecting – I do not expect the I, – I, this is a Dolphin. Dolphins are going to take this as far as I'm concerned. I don't think this is going to be a low-scoring game. No, I don't think it's going to be a low-scoring game. At but all. I, but I definitely – I'm taking Miami for sure. Yeah. Well, mm, I think I, – I'm. where is it? Is it in Miami? Uh yeah, actually no. I'm sorry. It's in no, it's, Cincinnati. In, it's, it's in Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Okay. It's in Cincinnati. Uh, oof. hard not to take the home team here, especially a desperate team. 
as good as as the Bengals are, yeah. and they're going to be in their badass white helmets. I like your pick, but I'm not. I'm sticking on my. I'm okay, sticking over here. That's fair. That's fair. This is why we one of these days we're, we're going to have money some side bets. Yeah. Okay. Maybe not. No, we might. <laughs> we very well might. That's when you're going to just start. You're going to take me to the cleaners because I lose every every bet I make. I lose. Hey, I'm three and zero. My fantasy. What up? Yeah. Definitely take me. To the what cleaners. up? So the second week of Prime Video's exclusive Thursday night football streams drew an average of eleven point zero three million viewers. For a fairly low wattage game, right, between the Steelers and the Browns. Mm-hmm. This is a game that unless you lived in Pittsburgh or Cleveland, you, you probably didn't care that much about. Right. Uh, but Nielsen and Amazon say the game marked a 39% improvement over last year's Week 3 game, which was on the NFL Network. Uh, that game. A lot but, of people don't have the NFL Network either. I was just about to say yeah. that. Well, if you, don't, if you don't have it, you don't have it. Yeah, exactly. 7.96 million viewers across the cable channel, local markets, and out-of-home out, out sites. Yeah. Nielsen's tally for this year's Thursday's games rolls together the local stations, the out-of-home, Amazon's Twitch, and live stream platforms. All right. So Amazon has a Twitch? Uh, I've never uh, figured out how to use Twitch at all. Yeah, I, It's I, all for the gamers, I, right? I, yeah, it, it's definitely a gamer thing. And, and uh, But, uh, you know, looking at this, we've, we've been talking about it. I mean, certainly this was $13 million is what you had a week before with the Chiefs Chargers. And we thought, all right, well, it's still... Pretty low because mm-hmm. a game like that probably would have drawn thirteen, tw- right? You said 13, thirteen million, okay. And a game like Chiefs Chargers probably would have drawn twenty million easy, yeah. on the three letter network, yeah, absolutely. You because know? a lot of people can watch those even without a cable subscription. Mm-hmm. They can just get it when plugging their, you know, the wire in the back or into the wall. So that's right, that's right. That, that makes it a lot easier to watch those games. But get this, this this Brown Steelers game it outdid everything else on the dial on Thursday of last week. Not only in terms of total viewers, but also among adults 18 to 49, adults 25 to 54, and adults 18 to 34. And the number two show for the night, and maybe this wasn't, uh, maybe just wasn't a great night. The number two for sh- show for the night, Law and Order SVU, drew half the size of the football audience at five and a half million people. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, I didn't even know those shows still aired, honestly. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm an SUV nut, but uh, I, I didn't, I don't watch any of the new stuff. I, I, Aren't they all like cross platforming? I think so. Isn't that what's so. going on right now? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, so Cowboys owner Jerry Jones was on Yahoo Finance this week oh. talking a little bit about this. And actually, he's pretty impressed with this Amazon thing so far. Well, I think Thursday night's audience was epic. Uh, frankly, uh, uh, deserves uh, special notice by a lot of factions. Uh, those numbers were a su- uh, surprising uh, to, uh, the, to, to me. And uh, I think they're a, a, a picture of t- what's to come. Uh, I don't believe there's any question that uh, uh, the game has the interest and has the eyeballs. Absolutely, it's got the eyeballs. Now, I, I um, you, you know, if you're not comfortable yet with watching Thursday Night Football on Amazon, get that way because it's, it's going to be that way for years. Same with Friday Night Baseball. A a 10-year contract, I believe, the NFL's got. That would make sense. Or close to, maybe by 2030, somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. But either way, for years years to come, if you want to watch Thursday Night Football, Amazon Prime Video is how you're going to have to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't think a year goes, you know, we're just talking about Jerry Jones there, heard from him. I don't think a year goes by that I don't hear somebody say, I wish that man would sell the Cowboys. Every year, some just you know, every year, and it has been the case even for from year one. Decades, when he bought it a, a, indeed. Uh, Forbes estimates the Dallas Cowboys at eight billion dollars of valuation, most uh, the most valuable sports team on the planet, mm-hmm. above Manchester United and Barcelona and all those European clubs that play, you know, soccer. Yeah, 
Uh, so also, while speaking there on Yahoo Finance, uh, he was asked you know, about the $8 billion valuation and whether or not that might ever be enough for him to sell the team. Well, I know that uh, uh, I wouldn't sell the Cowboys for 10. That's, that is, I'll book it. I would not. Uh, I, of course, I'm not interested in selling the Cowboys. And therein lies a part of the answer. Uh, you have limited owners. Uh, you have limited teams that might ever be available. And you have outstanding growth uh, in those franchises. And then you have the fact that I bought the Cowboys not to make money at all. Uh, I had a little money. I'd done it in the gas business. I had a little money, but what I wanted to do was coach football. A little money? Uh, I never thought that I could be involved in something that would have economic viability. I just reached into the couch cushions and decided to buy the Dallas Cowboys one day. I didn't mean anything. I, I, I had no idea I was going to make money on this thing. I found a couple quotas between the between the pillows, and I was like, let's buy a football team. Buy the football team. I wanted to coach. I thought, oh, here's 50 cents between the couch cushions. Maybe I can coach the Cowboys. <laughs> How about them Cowboys? It didn't work out. So I bought them Actually, instead. it worked out extremely well for the men. Yes, it did. Just sickeningly wealthy. Let me have a couple bucks, Jerry. You know, he said Jeff no. Bezos he could, said no. could give everyone a million dollars and still be a billionaire. That Isn't could. that disgusting? That he could. How messed up is that? I wanted to say something else, but tis I stopped. life, my friend. I stopped. Tis life. Hey, guess who's back? Back in again, Dallas. Shady. MG. Shady's back. Shady's back too. Shady's back. Tell a friend. Also, MG is back. Guess who's Dallas back? Dallas Cowboys receiver Michael back. Gallup. Guess who? Sorry. Okay. He didn't play on Monday against New York. No, he didn't. And happily for the Cowboys nation, fellow wideout buddy CD Lamb did. And he sure did. Pretty damn good in that twenty-three sixteen victory. A Gallup spent the entire offseason rehabbing from that knee surgery. Close, but uh, said yesterday that the at the star that uh, b- before Monday night's game he he just would benefit from one more one more week of ramp up. Mm-hmm. He said that. Mm-hmm. Okay, good, good he for said, him. I, I'd benefit that from smart. one more week of that ramp up. That is smart. I appreciate that, and especially because they clearly didn't need him that night. Right, they didn't. <laughs> I mean, he certainly wouldn't have hurt, but they didn't need him. You're right. Yeah. Uh, so in practice during last week's ramp up, MG was definitely back. Coach Mike McCarthy uh, said the the uh, receiver executed some quote Michael Gallup esque catches Ooh. in workout. So what exactly does that mean? Encouraging. Uh, according to big, uh, according to Gallup, it means big fade. Go up in the air, snag it, toes down. And Gallup's reaction to himself was, "MG's back." Word up, said, love it. Back. Good for him. Uh, he said he wanted to get out there so bad a week ago, but uh, it just it was it was best to wait. So uh, quarterback Dak, Dak Prescott, he's rehabbing toward that rapid return uh, for two one Dallas. Sounds like uh, Gallup's comfort level should allow him to probably debut. Week four on Sunday against the Commanders. And Bring then, it on. And then MG will actually be back. Um, so Mike McCarthy was asked kind of, you know, what challenges the Commanders defense may pose. Well, I mean, it's an excellent defense. Obviously, I, I think that, you know, as we view them, it starts up front. I um, mean, Allen and Payne, are, you know, two forces in the middle. Excellent players throughout their, you know, their front seven. Their, their back end is, is competitive and scrappy. It's a challenge, number one, anytime you play a division game. And, and these guys, uh, I like the way they play. For me, I... As, as I view them, you know, it starts up front. It does start up front. Um, also, had some luck so far with Dak out. Cooper Rush has been the man for Dallas right mm-hmm. now. 
And uh, McCarthy was asked why they've been so successful with Dak not in the starting. I think the biggest thing is, you know, I, I think it's a reflection of, you know, just how we do things. You know, I, it's a it's a very, very healthy quarterback room. I've, I've been in quarterback rooms for 30 years. You know, I really like the dynamics of it. I think that's important, you know, the dynamics between the one, the two, and the three. You know, the fact that, you know, you got Kellen and Doug and Scott Tolzien, you got former quarterbacks in there. Um, you know, I, I think that's that, that's, a, that's a really, that's a positive too. So I, I think it's just, the, you know, the climate and, and how we're, how we're set up is is really conducive, you know, for the next guy to be ready. And then, and ultimately, I think you have to give Cooper a ton of credit. You know, he's he's put together two excellent games. And but you know, the more you play, the more film you have, and and I'm sure Washington will challenge challenge us accordingly. I'm glad he gave Cooper some credit there. Yes, I was waiting. Would. I was waiting for him to do it. Because that's a man who deserves Absolutely. a lot of it right here. You're not 3-0 by accident. Uh, a couple other injury updates on uh, Curse and uh, Dalton. Yeah, I look for both of them to, to go today, and it's, this will be a big you know, big part of it. You know, our practice is reduced probably about 32 minutes just because of you know, coming off of a Monday night. So I'm hoping they can take the full slot of reps today. So there you go. That's kind of where, okay. we, are, where we are with the Cowboys. I, it would be really nice to have at least Dalton Schultz back. I would love to have that. Would, that would back. definitely help that passing game. Definitely help Cooper Rush feel a little more comfortable. We definitely, even with MG as back as well. MG, what up? Also, a quick in, quick injury report too out of Houston. Uh, looks like uh, the Chargers and Houston both entering their Week Four clash uh, with two losses. Uh, what if the Chargers lose, and uh, Damian Pierce, Justin Herbert on injury report uh, for Chargers. At, at uh, so, we gonna have a Teddy Bridgewater game against the Texans. It's possible. Texas should take advantage of this game. They won't. They've been playing better. They won't. They got to. Make it happen, Texans. Well, coming up, we got a little Longhorn talk. Uh, hey, did you hear that uh, Colt McCoy had to pay a bet? Hit, pay a bet? Yeah, I actually, uh, it's uh, we we retweeted it on the ESPN Austin account. Go yeah. check it out. Yeah. Uh, give us a call, 512-834-1027. You want to talk a little Longhorn football. That's on the way here on the bullpen. This is the bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027. You do your man. You do. Oh, you. that's what I do, and that's what you do, and that's what we do here in the bullpen. Well, the number is five one two eight three four one zero two seven. Still trying to get back in the habit of that phone number thing because I don't know if you know this. We got struck by lightning. Man, I had a whole other joke <laughs> set up from your last one, but you just completely ruined it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Patrick blew the bit. Sorry about that. Hey, you just. I, I just want to say that's what she said with everything you say anymore. It's ridiculous. It's really hard to hold back. Go for it. That's man. what she said. Good. There it is. <laughs> right. So now you're making me proud. No. Anyway, hello. Colt McCoy has paid Welcome a debt this week. Bullpen. Three days after the Texas Longhorns lost to the Red Raiders. They did. The alma mater of his head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, by the way. Uh, Colt McCoy, who is the Arizona Cardinals backup QB, had to wear the Texas Tech hat and shirt and shorts. But this was not Kingsbury's bet. Again, that picture is on ESPN Austin Twitter mm-hmm. account. Go check it out. Kingsbury said, no, 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 I wouldn't do that to him. I wasn't going to make that bet because I'm not wearing that burnt orange-ish. Ooh, say what? I can assure say you. Say what? End quote. Cliff, how dare you? Uh, as, as we all know now, the Red Raiders beat the then-ranked 22 Texas Longhorns 37-34 on Saturday. First time Tech has beaten its in-state rival at home since 2008, by the way. Thank you for reminding all of us Longhorn fans all of you. about that. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, apparently Colt McCoy uh, was... He did not look happy. Had to, wear his, had to wear his Tech products. That was a hell of a frown he put on there. 
Uh, Colt McCoy, by the way, the only Longhorn on the Cardinals right now. Uh, Arizona, though, does have two other tech products, wide receiver Antoine Wesley and assistant coach Kenny Bell. They also have some Huskies on that, some big-time Huskies on that. Team. So Kingsbury said he didn't reach out to McCoy. Uh, who's currently on IR with a cast brain. He said he's hurt. You can see it in his face. He looks like his dog died, man. I didn't want to rub it in. <laughs> he's like Mr. Texas. Like, that's the guy in the state of Texas, and I didn't want to do him like that. No. Bro, shut up. I, shut up, <laughs> Jeez. Like, what are you even talking about? You're, you're just talking to talk at this point, guy. Like, stop. Yeah, well, yeah, he's just trying to make You were in Texas, better. too. It's not our fault you were worse than he was because he had a bad record at Texas Tech, correct? It wasn't very good. Well, he was. He was. He didn't. He was. He wasn't very good with Mahomes. Yeah. Look what he's doing to Kyler Murray. I was. <laughs> I, was I was just about to say. Why does he still have a job? He's just doing it for the Instagram pictures. You see his house? No, please, please continue. That was it. It's ridiculous. It's huge. Man. Full of like gl- big ass glass windows. You were just getting ramped up, dude. I didn't really. I wasn't really. I don't care. You were just I'm glad. That, I'm glad the Cardinals aren't doing very well. It makes me feel better. Yeah, I don't. Anybody care about the Cardinals? No. No. I liked I Go. liked when Larry I liked Larry Fitzgerald a lot. I really did. Sure, the great. He's I'm, been gone a while. He has been. It's been. Yeah, <laughs> I'm dating myself. A bit. Yeah. So coming up Saturday, the two and two Texas Longhorns will host the two and two West Virginia Mountaineers at DKR Texas Memorial Stadium. You know what I found out? Hmm. I found out that DK uh, Daryl Royal coached at Washington for one year. Did he really? Yeah. When was this? The year before he went to Texas, went back home to Texas. He had a five and five record at UW for one year. Interesting. I did not know. Ed told Nor me about I. that yesterday. The things you learned from Ed Clements. Crazy. That man knows his. I stuff. cannot believe that Daryl Royal is part of Husky lore. That's the kind of stuff you learn from Ed Clements, though. So, yeah. You know, guys like you and me. And just, then we get to process that information out to the public. We're just a couple of lovable idiots like who are on the radio cares. that like to talk sports. Ed, though, is uh, he is like a, an encyclopedia. That just I I for as much as I've known about the history of of my favorite school, I did not know that. Yeah, it's really cool to hear. It is pretty nifty. Yeah. So uh, Texas holds a five and six record when playing against West Virginia, and uh, this Saturday is a chance for the Horns. They could even up the score. The last time the two teams met here in Austin, the Horns won seventeen thirteen. But Texas is only two and four when they play West Virginia at home. Uh, most recent home loss to West Virginia came in twenty eighteen, thanks to a real timely catch by wide receiver Gary Jennings. Uh, Jennings and Texas was stunned and I remember that and a, a, a nearly impossible that was loss, brutal forty two forty one. That was the beginning of the end. Um, so with no recent updates to Quinn Ewer's status, uh, Texas is probably going to have to rely on uh, senior running back Rushon Johnson once more. Now, uh, head coach Steve Sarkeesian, he did touch a little bit on the situation with Quinn Ewer's. Well, I think there's no doubt Quinn wants to play. He's wanted to play since he first got injured at Alabama. He wanted to go back in the game. You know, mentally, he's a highly competitive young man. He's worked at trying to get himself healthy. Again, he, you know, he's been throwing now for about, you know, two, two, two and a half weeks and has gradually improved. Again, there's a, there's a safety element to this thing. We want to make sure that we're doing what's in the best interest of, of Quinn, but also our team. So he's chomping at the bit. He's working hard. I like the progression that he's been making. So with all that, you know, I think he's in the right mental, you know, state of mind of wanting to get back out there, staying engaged, and doing the things necessary that we're asking of him to do. And so he, he was asked, not, he's not going to start. He's not going to start. Nah, he won't start. He was asked who was going to get the start. How long have I been doing interviews with you guys? Do you think I'd really give you that answer, Kurt? No. Uh, valid question. I understand. I'm not going to tell you no, but I, I do. I would say yes. I do feel a real sense of urgency. I think coming out of that meeting, you know, my meeting Monday, 
the players only meeting on Tuesday. I feel the sense of urgency, not just even from our frontline starters. I feel it from everybody across the board. You know, our scout team players have given a great look this week. It's been physical. You know, everybody's pushing towards a common goal, which is playing better football, which is ultimately coming out victorious. But you have to do the things necessary throughout the week to put yourself in position to do that. And so I think it's been uh, all hands on deck approach. And I'm very appreciative of of all the guys and the work that they've put in this week. Little sense of urgency, but that's fair. The setup, the, the question there set up by the great Kirk Bowles, yeah, the statesman. <laughs> Look, he like. tried. It, it was no lack of effort on his part. Yeah, if it wasn't him, it was going to be someone else. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, yeah, whether it be our own Ed Clements or somebody. Yeah, else. thankfully he finally acknowledged it's a legit question to ask, so he doesn't have to be cranky about it every time they oh, ask. Correct. Now, Ed Clements, if you weren't listening earlier to Jason and CJ to Almost Sports, mm-hmm. Ed Clements did call in, oh. also making the. Uh, the same claim that mm-hmm. that Sark is not naming, keeping it close the to the best. Plan, yeah, playing it very close once again. I w- I would be shocked if it was anyone than Hudson Card. I would too. I have the fact that he hasn't really talked about Hudson Card being hurt anymore is probably a good sign. He went two two hundred seventy seven yards and two TDs last week. He ended with a completion rate of sixty six point seven. That's okay. That's good. Um, That's if he can good. if he can stay consistent for all four quarters on Saturday, I think Texas will be just fine. Yeah, against I do West too. Virginia. I do too. And, um, and like he, like he said about the urgency thing, they know where they're at. They know what they know what's at stake. Mm-hmm. They know they need to get this win. So do it. And there do is, it. there has been some speculation that this could be a bit of a shootout. Yeah. Do you think it's going to be a shootout? Uh, I hope not, but I, it wouldn't surprise me at all, especially with Graham Harrell at the as the offensive coordinator. What they pose is a balanced attack. They've got a scheme that can change tempos. You know, they can go fast. They can slow it down. They've got two very capable running backs, one a shifty, more shifty guy, one who's a big physical runner. They run the ball. So they, it's not just that they present good backs. They will run the backs. And so you have to defend the run. And then two, they've got two really big physical wide receivers on the perimeter that can pose problems in one-on-one matchups in that they can go up and get the ball one-on-one. They can make people miss. They're hard to get on the ground. And so they tax you from a balance standpoint. And then they've got a quarterback who can make all the throws. You know, JT is very comfortable of throwing the ball outside the numbers. He's very comfortable pushing the ball down the field. Uh, So I think that's the challenge, right? They're not a one-dimensional team. They force you to defend all aspects of the game. You know, for us, every game takes on a life of its own, you know, a personality of its own. And and you never know what the game could present itself. So I'm not surprised when games go anyway, uh, you know, quite frankly, you know, I'd like to think we can move the ball pretty good Saturday. I'd like to think that they're going to move the ball pretty well Saturday. That's what they do. You know, they're good at it, but I wouldn't be surprised if our defense plays great. We're going up against a good defense. Who's got good coaches, good schemes. And so the game's going to take on the personality of, of its own. And then you've got to play to that personality of the game to make sure that we're making the best calls available to put our players in the best position to have success. So, uh, you know, it, it sounds like they're, I, it sounds like they're ready. I, ready. I would hope so. Yeah, I, I think mean, they are. Last week's loss for the Horns really hinged largely on self-made errors. Yeah. So, you know, they can execute against West Virginia. I, everything should be fine. Uh, Let's hope. They're at home. So 38-21 Texas. I don't even think it would be. I would hope it would be more than that. I hope it would be 42-17 to 17, Texas. Could be. Could be. Uh, we, we've got uh, coming up next week the Red River Rivalry. Shootout, shootout or showdown, showdown or whatever you want to call it. That thing up north? Yeah. Cool. The Cotton Bowl, Longhorn Sooners adding another chapter to their storied rivalry. This is uh, 11 a.m. on October 8th at the State Fair in Dallas, Get Aaron on ABC. So 
early. Horns lead the series 62-50 to 5. 62-50 and 5, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this year's going to 118th time that they're going to be meeting. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Both uh, teams are kind of coming off of uh, brutal losses. Hopefully right. not again. Let's not forget last year the Sooners won a wild one, 55-48. Mm-hmm. They overcame that 38-20 Texas lead to do it. And uh, there was that huge 33-yard run. It was like 10 seconds left in the game. And uh, Kennedy Brooks, running back. Yeah, I was screaming. Just broke free with the win there. It was crazy. Uh, Definitely one of the most bitter rivalries in the country right now. Uh, But uh, Horns are going to have to get through West Virginia Mm -hmm. first. Also, isn't there a Nelly concert or something like that coming up? Yeah, uh, what do they call it? Longhorn City Limits. He's doing a free show pregame before West Virginia. How about that? So before the game, and Sark was asked about this. I know I've listened to Nelly more than once, but I I don't know if I know the names of his songs. Give me a couple, and maybe maybe they're one of my favorites. Country Grammar, you got Ride With Me, you got Air Force One. Oh, Ride With Me. Yeah, Ride With Me is a good one. Yeah. I I don't believe him. I don't even know what that song is. Ride with me? I've never heard that. I could never convince anyone. I know Country Grammar. I know Air Force One. I know a bunch of other ones. I've never heard of that one. Mm. I don't believe him. He just said one just to say one. I guarantee it. He was just trying to show up. Nice try, Coach. We see right through you. I would have fallen as flat on my face as well, so don't feel bad, Steve. (laughs) Look, we all grew up in different times, but I feel like, you know, Nelly was like the it thing in the early 2000s. Country grammar. He was. He was. And that you know, he got the band-aid on his face too, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, underneath or something? No, yeah. it was over his eye. I don't know. I think it was on his cheek. Something like that. Cheek. Uh, history matched in the Bronx last night in allegations of illegitimate home run records. Oh, God. Here we go again. Mm-hmm. Here That's we on go. the way here on the bullpen. The bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027 ESPN. And a 3-2. Joe deep to left field. This could be it. See ya! He's done it! Number 61! He's been chasing history, and now he makes it! He and Roger Maris are tied with 61 home runs, the most anybody has ever hit in a single season in American League history! Oh, I hate hearing Call that. on the Yes Network there. Listen, I don't care if that came out of the Bronx. I got, the, I got goosebumps. No, no, not his call in general. Him saying that uh, it's an AL thing. Oh. Well. In AL history. It is AL history, though. I guess. What do you mean? Well, yeah, okay, yes. Nobody, nobody's ever hit more than 61 home runs in the American League in a single season ever. I know. I'm just talking about, like, the whole debate between 73 and 61. What do you mean? There's, there's, there's no argument here. The 61 is the legitimate record. <laughs> <laughs> and if you ask Roger Maris Jr., uh, he'll tell you the same thing. Will he? Uh, but no, so it took Roger Maris Sr. until October 1st of the final game of the 1961 season to hit his 61st home run, which broke Babe Ruth's single-season mark of 60, set in 1927. Right. Judge has done it on September 28th, game 155 for New York. Uh, this came a day after the, uh, the the Yankees clinched the American League t- uh, East title. Uh, he was batting leadoff as the DH. He took Tim Mesa deep in the seventh inning with a runner on base. Uh, he walked the first at bat. He popped out in the second. He grounded out in the third. He'd gone seven games without a home run mm-hmm. after climbing up. The, Which, that's pretty average. He was on that ridiculously torrid pace for a while to actually surpass the 73 mark. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and that would have been exciting to see because I, you know, I got a lot of faith that that judge is doing this cleanly or as cleanly yeah. as you can in I this would era. Think so, yeah, you know, sure. Uh, but uh, so he is now uh, not going to be. He's got what seven games left in the season, six games left in the season, six, I think. Yeah. So all you got to do is hit one more and hit seven games, seven, seven games. Yeah, and, and he will. Uh, 
Yes, sir. He will be the single-season home run run leader in the American League. Um, Roger Maris Jr. actually was asked about this and the possibility of him hitting 62. I think it means a lot, and it's not just for me. I think it means a lot for a lot of people, you know, that he's a Yankee, he plays the game the right way, and, uh, you know, I think it gives people a chance to look at somebody who uh, – you know, should be revered for hitting 62 home runs and not just as a, a guy who did it in the American League. He should be revered for, you know, being the actual single-season home run champ. I mean, that's really who he is if he hits 62. Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound like Maris believes too much in Barry Bonds' record. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Yikes. So, I don't blame him. What I don't blame him. It's his dad. What does he right? think? Or grandfather? No, it's his father. It's his father? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And what does he think if old man Maris were still alive? I think it means a lot, and it's not just for me. I think it means a lot for a lot of Wrong people. Wrong one. You know, Pardon that. me here. Here we go. Well, he's obviously somebody, Aaron. He would be very proud of Aaron because of the way, like I was just telling you, the way he carries himself and the way he uh, comes to the ballpark every day. You know, he's mentally prepared, physically prepared. He's all about doing the team thing. He's all about winning. He's all about focusing on you know winning the championship and trying to bring, bring a world championship to New York so he can put number 28 up on the, the wall. Let's hope that doesn't happen. I don't want to see a 28th championship. No, I, thank you. I see that Never all. again, please. But possibly, aside from the 61st home run hit this year by Aaron Judge, mm-hmm. one of the coolest parts of this story is the dude who almost caught it. Or most, more often, his name. Yep. This guy's going viral because <laughs> enter Frankie Lasagna. Mr. Lasagna. <laughs> He's this, this guy. Mr. Lasagna. He's gone viral online uh, with, you know, with like his, his arms stretched wide, and he's like two, you know, was like two feet away from he getting was this, this ball. On the lo- he was at the fence. He mm-hmm. just missed it. He spent, I think he spent a little extra money so he could have a little extra yeah. shot. Yeah. He came that close, and then the ball lands in Toronto's bullpen. Poor guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, poor guy because not only that, he was singled out because he had a glove on, even though there were about five or ten other people surrounding him trying to catch it. Mm-hmm. And then they had to ask him what he still what he would do with it if he caught it, even though he didn't catch it. He said, you know what, I probably would have kept it and tried to, tried to uh, essentially blackmail Judge to come to my restaurant. Hell <laughs> He's yeah. a 37-year-old restaurant Absolutely. owner. Absolutely. He's like, I just would have kept it. Me? I would have kept it and asked Aaron Judge to come to my restaurant. Yeah. And then I gave it back to him. He would have got a little money. Of course he would. This is a ball that was that's estimated to be worth two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Oh God, this, this imagine sixty two though, because mm. it's going to happen. Uh, but instead of landing in the uh, in the outstretched mitt yep. of Mister Lasagna, Mister Lasagna, <laughs> Tor- Toronto bullpen uh, pitching coach Matt Bushman picked. Oh, up. hey Frankie, what happened? You missed the ball. Yeah. How close were you? <laughs> Come on. I was two feet. Ah, hey. Oh. Now, he's going to have another chance to capture history if he wants to. Tra- Actually, we're, we're giving him this, this this New York accent. He was This happened in Toronto. But he's from New York. Not, no? I don't think so. He, he, had a, he had, Did he have a Blue Jays? Yeah, he was wearing a oh. Vlad Jr. shirt. Well, jer- look, jersey. his name alone makes him sound Italian. He does. Ah, Frankie Lasagna. Come on. So, take the trek down to so the Bronx you, and try Lord. to catch 62, Frank. Yeah. You can do it. You still got a chance. Uh, Yankees are going to kick off a series, three-game series they got coming up against the Orioles, who are no slouch this year. Yeah, they're uh, kind of frustrating. Even though they've lost four, uh, five out of six, mm-hmm. they're still on the heels of trying to take a wild card spot, which I don't think is going to happen. And so, also what happened uh, frustratingly last night is the uh, the Yanks won. Yes. Astros lost. And so the Astros oh. have not yet clinched home field advantage. I'm so sorry. All we needed was one or the other to happen, and neither I'm happened. really sorry. I really... Sympathize. 
you're you're so close to getting the top seed. Yeah, you don't sound disingenuous at all. Good. I'm really trying. Not at all. I'm really trying to sound as sympathetic as I can. Speaking of the Astros, though, Verlander, he had a great yes, a great showing last night. Another two runs, but it doesn't affect his ERA. 1.8 ERA. That's it. Stop it already. Stop the count. <laughs> I think guy. he's done, right? And no, That's I, it. They're, they're, I think he, they could truck him out one more time. They could. And I think they probably will. That's stupid. Mark my words. What if he gives up six runs, man? That's going to totally inflate everything. Yeah. You're right. Come on. You're right. I uh, mean, regardless, he's he's a shoe in. Oh, no it's, doubt. It's, it's no his, doubt. No this is going to be what his fourth Cy Young, I believe. Sure. I believe it's his fourth yeah. Cy Young that he, he will win. Mark it. Yeah. Mark it down. You I heard it here. If you didn't know already, even if he implodes in a final start, it's his. We're coming up on the last couple of minutes here in the bullpen, and there's this interesting story. You know, we've talked a few times so since we've been on the air here about the implementation of some new uh, the pitch clock and mm-hmm. new rules by MLB that have been tested out. This year in the minors. Yeah. Uh, and use of pitch clocks cut the average time of major league or minor league games, my, uh, pardon me, by 25 minutes this year. That's a reduction Major League Baseball is hoping to be replicated when the devices are installed in the big leagues next year. Uh, this may have the endorsement of some people. I think I could speak for you when I say this does not have the endorsement of the bullpen. You are correct. Yeah. This is not, you're, you're not here, you're not hearing from a couple of fellows here who like this idea at all. I, I don't mind it. For the average fan, but for me, I hate it. Yeah, I don't get I, it. I'm with you. I know a lot of pitchers seem to like it, but I also enjoy the strategy of the game. Two hours it's, and 38 minutes is the average game time here. Like Even 25 minutes is not even that much time you're taking off of a game. No. It's still going to be close to three hours. Why, why is a couple more minutes going to make a difference? Clocks in AAA set to 14 seconds with no runners on base and 19 with runners. And at lower levels, the clocks were at 18 with runners. Big league, nine inning games, averages about three hours, four minutes this season. Um, the clocks are going to be introduced into the majors next year. 15 seconds with no runners, 20 seconds with runners. This decision is opposed by the players' union. Not only that, we're going to miss out on all the fun calls the announcers, the broadcasters make when they get frustrated mm-hmm. waiting for the pitcher who's taking 30 freaking seconds to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, man, throw the ball. What are you doing? What I'm least How excited is about, though, is, is this whole thing of like, you know, uh, two pickoff attempts or step offs per plate appearance. If your third pickoff isn't successful, you balked. Give me a balk. I really uh, would like to know where it started, why people started booing when you threw to first. I really don't get that. We can talk about that in another show because we don't have time, but just just chew on that for tomorrow. To quote uh, 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 whatever her name was, the gal from Gladiator. Yeah, whatever her name. The mob is fickle, brother. Okay. And that's why. Okay. The mob is fickle, brother. Okay. Fair enough. That's it for us here on the bullpen. Thank you. Stick around for Paul Feinbaum and Beto up at four. See ya. And we'll see you tomorrow.